As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The state had received his application for unemployment benefits. There's just one problem. I never filed, absolutely never filed. 5.97 million has been paid in error due to suspected identity fraud. It's millions of dollars wasted on things that could be used for helping somebody who really deserve it. I was just teaching some kids some ballet. I mean, I, I was not trying to defraud the state of Wisconsin. I really wasn't. I made an honest mistake. And if you make a mistake, you get something wrong, they go after you. Before this pandemic, I was telling people to not to file unemployment benefits because it was too dangerous. But with the pandemic now, there's no other option. With unemployment claims flooding Wisconsin's system during the pandemic, we're getting more calls than ever about unemployment fraud. Today, we're talking about two sides of the coin, the victims of fraud and the people who say they're falsely accused. Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire here with my co-investigator, Brian Polson. Hey, Brian. Hi, Amanda. Today is Thursday, December 3rd. And we are once again with Contact 6 investigator, Jenna Sachs. Hi, Jenna. Hi, guys. So this part, this episode is going to have a couple of parts. And Jenna, we're going to start with the story you did. But, you know, we've been talking about unemployment all year long. And virtually every story we've done throughout the year has been about people who deserve to get benefits, but are waiting and can't get them. This is a little bit different because you did a story about unemployment fraud, people defrauding the system, specifically identity thieves defrauding the system. How did this story come about? So this came to me from a source who works for the state of Wisconsin, and they don't work for the, the Department of Workforce Development, but they mentioned that they had been hearing about hundreds of cases of claims that had been filed fraudulently. So I followed up with DWD and asked for numbers related to unemployment fraud, the number of claims that had been falsely filed, the number of money they believed had been spent in claims that were filed fraudulently, and it really worked on from there. How did you, you spoke to someone who ended up being the victim of identity fraud. Someone filed a claim in his name and he was still working. He had never filed that claim. How did you find him? He actually filed a complaint with Contact 6, which was very helpful to us. We've been getting a lot of complaints about unemployment, but this was the first one we had gotten from someone who said that they received a letter in the mail thanking them or explaining the steps they needed to take to receive their unemployment in the state, and he had never filed. So that was a huge red flag to him. 
and he was willing to sit down with us and speak to us about his experience and he was concerned saying why did i get these letters i am fully employed i have been working throughout the pandemic and i don't like the idea that my personal information is out there and he didn't feel he was getting the response from dwd that he wanted he felt that they should be um, communicating with him more about what might have happened and what led to his information being used to file for unemployment. But the bottom line is he got letters in the mail saying, you know, you have been approved for unemployment benefits. This is how much money you'll get per month um, for how long. And he said, I, I never filed, definitively never filed. It's almost hard to like look past the irony of that. You can only imagine the frustration someone who's sitting on the other end who's been waiting for months and months for a valid claim to be processed or adjudicated. And here's a guy who is working full time who didn't even apply and is getting letters that say, hey, uh, your unemployment's approved. You, you just got to take a couple more steps and you're going to get some money in the bank. Right. And it sounds like he's not alone. Uh, DWD told me they identified nearly 8,000 unemployment claims that it suspects were filed fraudulently as the result of identity theft, which is what we focused on for our story. And that was as of November 30th. They have also identified more than 6 million and possibly erroneous payments as the result of identity theft. And that's out of 4.43 billion paid out in overall unemployment payments. Um, and they say that they're constantly being targeted by unsuccessful attempts to access the online portal. There have been attempts to breach and hack the website, and they're very much on the defensive, um, trying to keep hackers out and people out who really, let's be honest, they're taking advantage of a situation that is very appealing to fraudsters. They know a massive amount of people are going to be seeking benefits. They just need to get a few pieces of personal information, maybe on the dark web, um, and they can use you know, someone's address, their social security number, and their place of employment to file for unemployment benefits. And their hope is that the benefits will begin to flow and they'll be approved and start getting money before human resources for their company catches up and says, whoa, 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 this person is, is, does not qualify or before the person who they're impersonating catches on. And the impact this can have on people can be devastating. A few months ago, we did a story with a woman who she had filed an unemployment claim, but then uh, someone was able to uh, essentially do a cyber attack on the system, access her account, change her banking information so that the money would go to them instead of her. So she's someone who did file, but was still the victim of identity theft, couldn't get her unemployment benefits because of that. And then now she's going to have to be monitoring her credit. She keeps getting notices that bank accounts were set up in her name that she never set up. This is something that can affect you for years. It can. And it's frustrating. I spoke with another woman who had benefits coming to her. She needed them. She needed the benefit to pay her bills every month after being laid off. And the same thing happened to her. And you know, it, her banking uh, account information was suddenly fraudulent and her benefits stopped. And she has had to wait weeks for the state to manually go through and approve her claims again. And those are weeks where she's not receiving the money she had been receiving and is dependent on. Well, and you mentioned you sort of, in some cases, the key to this getting caught is the sort of human resources people on the employer's end, because it's sort of their unemployment account that gets dinged. And if they then see, wait a minute, this is this is somebody who's still working full time. They're not, they shouldn't be filing for unemployment. That maybe is when the, this gets caught. This happened 
as I understand it, with the human resources folks at the city of Milwaukee, when they started to see sort of a pattern here, what happened there? We were able to get a copy of an application for a subpoena that was filed by Milwaukee police. And they were seeking financial information related to about 20 city of Milwaukee employees who had claims filed in their name and without their consent. So another case of suspected identity fraud. And interestingly, the fraudsters seem to have a bit of personal information about these people, but also some inaccurate information. So they may have filed a claim saying they were working for MPD, but they were a clerk when actually they were someone who was a detective or a sergeant. So that's how human resources may have noticed that that claim was fraudulent. Plus, the, they, they sent out an, uh, a, an email or reached out to all their employees asking them to look into this kind of thing after they started getting complaints and they identified at, at least 20 people as of July. Um, so, Is there some sort of a breach of the city's data systems? Do they know? I mean, it seems like if you got 20 city employees targeted, their information must have been out there somewhere. I have spoken to MPD about that, but they're not able to comment officially on that at this point, but there are multiple ways that this information can be obtained. It can be the result of a hack of a government entity or a business who has their database um, breached, but it can also be a matter of people purchasing a ton of personal information off of the dark web, which is also unfortunately relatively easy for scammers to do. Yeah, and that that's something that cybersecurity experts have warned about. It's known as credential stuffing, where, you know, a hack of like Yahoo accounts, for example, gives them a bunch of usernames and passwords, and then they plug them into a bunch of different places because a lot of people reuse their usernames and passwords. So I know one of the warnings out there for people is to use different usernames and passwords for different things. Is there anything else anyone can do to try to prevent their information from being stolen in this way? A lot of times in these cases, it's really out of your control. You can't control whether your information is out there on the dark web or whether your company has had their database breached, but you can monitor your credit reports. You can file complaints or issues with the Department of Workforce Development, with the IRS when this kind of thing happens. So you really just have to be on top of it and responsive um, when it does happen. And, you know, monitoring your credit is a really good way to start. But we should mention, you know, it's frustrating because these are hard cases for detectives to, to follow up on. They take a long time. They can lead to an individual or an organized group of criminals who could be anywhere in the world. And often the money is being transferred from bank account to bank account, masking their movements until it's eventually withdrawn. Um, so th it's, it's frustrating because you might report this and you might not hear anything about it for a long time. And if you're the victim of this, does this potentially affect you later on down the road if you have a legitimate unemployment claim and you've had this sort of mess in your background? Absolutely. It can slow down the process for you and the amount of time it takes for your benefits to be approved or reapproved if, if your benefits have ceased as a result of something like this happening um, because they have to do it manually. And that's where adjudicators come in. And there's, there's a lot of work going on at DWD to try to identify this kind of thing. And they have been increasing some measures they're taking um, to try to, to fight off fraud attacks, hacking. They've implemented multi-factor authentication password strength spotting, um, updated their servers with additional firewall capabilities. So they are doing 
a number of things. And to some extent, you have to know that this is inevitable, that scammers are going to be trying to attack the systems when just this much money could be flowing out. Um, but it's, it's frustrating, and I understand why people are mad, especially when there are other people out there who are waiting for their, their money to start. Jenna, anything that surprised you or stood out to you as you were digging into this story? You know, I think the thing that surprised me was the fact that there may not be much you can do to stop it. We like to give advice to a lot of people on Contact 6, say this is one step you can do to protect yourself. And while there are things you can do, like monitoring your credit and being aware of some scams out there, in some cases there's just not much you can do to prevent this from happening. You just have to react to it. So we we did offer some advice about, you know, common scams, you know, if someone is advertising online that they'll help you file for unemployment claims or they are saying, if you pay me a fee, I'll help you file, um, or someone shows up at your door, calls you and says, you know, I'll help you file for claims. That's pretty obvious, an example of fraud. On the flip side of all of this, Amanda, you talk to people filing unemployment claims who say they were falsely accused of committing unemployment fraud after they just made honest mistakes. So this is a whole other aspect of all of this. Tell me about what was going on here. Yeah, so this is this is a type of fraud. It, it's not identity fraud. It's called concealment. And that's basically when you are accused of concealing your wages from the Department of Workforce Development when you're filling out your unemployment claims. I was really skeptical going into this. We started hearing from people who were telling us, you know, hey, the state said that I committed fraud and I didn't. I just made an honest mistake. And I'm going into it thinking, okay, anyone can say I made a mistake after the fact. Some of the questions when you first look at them seem pretty straightforward. Did you work this week? And you either worked or you didn't. And so if you're answering, no, I didn't work, but you did work, that seems pretty obvious. That's not a mistake. That's a lie. And that's that's what I went into this thinking. As I heard from more people who had very similar stories and who were reaching out to say, I want to talk about this time I was accused of fraud, which is not a, a very common thing to hear. That's when my interest started to peak and I started to dig a little more into this. So we ended up speaking to a woman uh, named Amanda Johnson. Amanda lives in Ozaki County, and in fall 2017, she was unemployed for about three months. She was receiving unemployment benefits. During this time, she gets a $300 check from children's dance classes she had taught months earlier. This is a job she has that's very sporadic. You might come in and teach one class and then not be back for several weeks and fill in for a teacher here and teach another class. You get about $30 a class and you're not getting paid at really regular intervals. The owner might cut a check every six months, but you don't know exactly when that check is coming. So she gets this $300 check and I cashed it, um, not thinking that I did anything wrong, not thinking that, you know, that was against the rules. She finds a job. She continues on with her life. And several months later, she gets a letter from the state saying, we found the check. Uh, you concealed your work at the dance studio from us. This is fraud. And not only do you have to pay all your unemployment back, 
but you also have to pay a 40% fraud fine on top of that. So that total at out-of-pocket payment ended up being more than $4,000. I will be honest, a complete and utter breakdown. I sat in this living room and I cried and I cried and I cried because it's a very scary letter. It's very confusing. You, you, you call and every few people you talk to, everyone has a different story. They're throwing a lot of terminology at you. So Amanda says she was shocked. She appealed the decision. She lost the appeal, uh, which employment attorneys tell me is common. You're appealing to the same entity that said that you committed fraud. And so she pays this, and then after she pays it, she thinks it's over. Well, fast forward to the pandemic. She ends up getting furloughed from her job. She goes to file for unemployment. And in Wisconsin, like several other states, when you are, when it's determined that you have committed fraud, you lose a, a certain amount of future benefits. And for each person, that amount is different. But basically, six years from the determination or until you hit a certain amount, every time you file for unemployment, that money goes back to the state. It doesn't go back to you. You cannot pay that benefit reduction out of pocket. It has to be paid through filing your unemployment claims. And this is done to discourage fraud. So Amanda's benefit reduction is another $7,500 on top of the money she's already paid. So that's how what she describes as a $300 mistake ended up being more than $12,000 for her, essentially. And so she wanted to talk about this because she said, look, this the system is confusing. It's hard to know exactly what you're supposed to report and when. I don't want this to happen to other people. And that's when we started looking into, okay, we're talking fraud. We're talking overpayments. We're hearing from people who say they have to pay their unemployment back. How often is that happening? I want to backtrack for a second because I, I, I might be dense and I just want to make sure I'm clear that I understand. But her the $300 she received, um, when she got it, she was working at the dance studio, correct? Well, when she, she was always on the payroll for the dance studio. When she got the $300, that was for classes she had taught before she was unemployed. She didn't have, and actually uh, there's a letter that the dance studio... So, she, so the $300 she got from the dance studio came in, she assumed it was from earlier work that had been done, so therefore didn't disqualify her from unemployment. Is that okay? And the interesting thing with Amanda's case is the work she was doing at the dance studio, let's say say she got $300 from working at the dance studio during the time she was unemployed. If she had reported that, she would not, that would not have changed her unemployment benefits because you are still allowed to do a certain amount of work and still receive your unemployment benefits. And they have benefits calculators where you can calculate, you know, if I earn this much, how much is my unemployment benefit? Her unemployment benefits would have been virtually unchanged. So if Amanda was trying to conceal this, infor- if she was trying to defraud the system, this was a really dumb way to do it because she wasn't getting any additional benefits from not reporting this income. And that's what uh, intrigued me about her story, was this, is, this would be a really dumb way to, to try to defraud the system. And she was saying, I wasn't trying to conceal, I just, it, it, 
I didn't realize I needed to report this. And as I spoke to more people who had similar stories, the trend I saw was all these people had jobs that were very sporadic with their work and they're not getting paid right when they do the work. So there's confusion about, do I report this work when I do the work or do I report this work when I get paid? There's confusion about because they know they're allowed to do a certain amount of work and still receive unemployment benefits. Does that mean I still need to report this work even though it wouldn't change my unemployment benefits? And so, and this is during a time right now where it's not always easy to get a live person from the state to give you answers about this. And people say they get different answers from the state about depending on who they talk to about what they're supposed to report and when. And so, so you that's, came away with the impression for many of these people, this was a matter of confusion, not fraud. That's correct. And again, that's that's what these people are saying. It's always hard to tell someone's state of mind. And when we're going into these stories, they, these people have determinations against them from the state that say this was fraudulent activity. So to, to vet these stories can be a, a very difficult thing. But when I see that pattern and I see people who are say they have similar questions and were confused over similar things, that's something that I need to pay attention to. Amanda, I was going to ask you about that because I think some people might hear Amanda's story and be a little skeptical at first. Um, how did you vet her? So it started with just going through, she kept every single piece of paperwork. And this was someone, again, who was her fraud determination was not part of the public record. She wasn't charged with fraud. So this is someone calling attention (laughs) to the fact that the state made a fraud determination against her. So just her speaking to me on camera, it didn't seem like it would go in her interest to be publicizing this story. So that was one thing I considered. Going through the documentation she had, it weighed, I gave weight to the fact that she had a letter that the dance studio owner wrote on her behalf saying, hey, this is this is what happened and, and backing up what Amanda had told me. And then there was the fact that if she had reported this, it would have had zero impact on her unemployment. So if she was intentionally trying to conceal her work, it, there really isn't any incentive to do that. She did not gain any additional unemployment benefits by not reporting this to the state. So I'm still not going to go on air and say, look at this person. You should 100% believe her story. I'm going to leave that up for the viewers to decide. But she had enough there where I felt like I could present her side of the story and there was enough weight on her side of the story where we could present that and let people make up their own mind. Obviously, overpayments are something that DWD is watching very closely, and fraud is just a small fraction of what they consider overpayments. What really is an overpayment when we're talking about the context of of unemployment? Yeah, so an overpayment is when, to make it really simple, you get unemployment benefits and you're not supposed to. And that's not always considered fraud. We're hearing from a lot of people right now who, are, who were lucky enough to get payments within the first few months of the pandemic starting and are now being told, hey, you were overpaid. And sometimes it's, you. we're not saying you answered these questions dishonestly. We're just saying we shouldn't have found in your favor to give you unemployment benefits. When that happens, the state doesn't go, 
hey, our bad, you can keep your unemployment, they say, you've got to pay it back. And because people are finding out months later, uh, for a lot of people, that ends up being an out-of-pocket cost. Especially now during the pandemic, we're hearing from a lot of people saying, I don't have that money to pay back. Public records from the state show more than 56,000 people in Wisconsin between mid-March and mid-October have been told they were overpaid and need to, in, in some way, shape, or form, pay unemployment benefits back. That's a huge amount of people. It's a small percentage compared to past years. So if you look at previous years, um, last year, for example, overpayments made up roughly 3% of all the payments that unemployment paid out. And fraud was about 1% of that. Now, the overpayments are right around 1%, and fraud is even a smaller fraction of that. So the percentages are smaller. But because we have a massive amount of money going out and a massive amount of claims, even that smaller percentage still affects a lot of people. And the Department of Workforce Development says roughly about 4% of its overpayments that have gone out have been flagged as fraud. Is this an issue that's unique to Wisconsin or is this happening in other states as well? We spoke to the National Employment Law Project and they say that this is not unique to Wisconsin, that most states have systems similar to this where, you know, if you're found to have committed fraud, you lose future benefits, you have these penalties. From their perspective, and and they advocate for a lot of employment law reforms, from their perspective, they're saying that this system is very good at catching people who make mistakes and actually not always great at catching people who commit fraud. Because unemployment fraud does happen, and and we've covered this, and we talked about this in our story. Brian, I know you did a lot of stories about this. I covered it in great depth years ago, and actually, I think some of that may have preceded the reforms that have taken place since then that have swung the pendulum in the other direction. But years ago, we found people who were committing thousands and thousands of dollars worth of fraud and uh, essentially getting away with it. And uh, in some cases, people were filing claims from jail with the phone-in system, and you're not allowed to collect unemployment if you're not available for work. Well, you're when you're incarcerated, you're not available for work. So there were some real issues years ago, and I would say those stories we did were maybe a decade ago, and we know that there were significant reforms that took place to try to crack down and tighten up on some of those things. But we're now seeing in the midst of this pandemic, as you've reported on extensively, Amanda, that some of those reforms swung the other way so far that we're finding people in a true emergency situation who are waiting long periods of time for decisions to be made about their benefits because of rules that are in place that were meant to guard against fraud. Right. And there are tricky things about this. Like, I can't tell you how many people there are, like Amanda, who have had a fraud determination against them, but maybe, you know, whether they were actually trying to defraud the state of Wisconsin is questionable because those individual case files are not considered public under Wisconsin law. So I can't go through and review each of those individual case files. So a lot of times we're relying on aggregate numbers, we're relying on anecdotes from people, and we're trying to vet that. But another person I spoke to who I I thought was an interesting case is someone who had something very rare happen to her, and that's that her 
unemployment fraud case was prosecuted. So we spoke to someone named Raquel McCarthy, and she said when she was filling out her unemployment online, as they encourage you to do, she was very confused when she was filing. And she was another one who had sporadic work. She was with a temp agency, so she might go in and work one day and not work for several weeks, and then they'd call her in for a half a day. I guess I didn't even realize I had to claim it. All the questions before did you work this week were about permanent work and full-time work and were you available for full-time work and she says she didn't think she had to report anything that wouldn't affect whether she received her unemployment claim several months later similar to amanda gets a notice that she was overpaid determination that it was fraud because she concealed her wages and she says she starts to pay back the amount and she was unemployed for longer than Amanda was so her amount was much higher when you add up the the actual unemployment and the the fines um, we're talking almost $14,000 so she said she was paying that back and she, according to Raquel the next thing she knows she's getting hit with felony fraud charges I'm going to go to jail for this she pays money to have an attorney represent her. She, this gets dragged out for years. Her unemployment claim was filed in 2015. The court case was filed in, in 2018. It, gets, it eventually gets wrapped up when she pleads down to a misdemeanor. She says she needed to not have a felony on her record. I'm going up against unemployment. How am I going to do that? But she maintains that she made an honest mistake, and she has since found new employment doesn't have that anymore because of the pandemic. And like Amanda, she now cannot get her unemployment benefits. And so that's why she was speaking to us because through it all, and if you look at the documents, her interviews with DWD and everything, the whole time she has maintained, I was confused, I made an honest mistake, and then this happens. Again, I, I can't read someone's mind, I can't tell you someone's intent, what I think is interesting is the state, um, when you look at their reasoning in, in the paperwork for this, their reasoning for saying this was fraud and this was intentional was, well, we have re you certify at the end when you fill out your unemployment claim, you certify the information is correct, and we have resources available that you know tell you what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. So the question is, if someone doesn't read those resources very carefully or if they're confused, does that amount to attempting to defraud the state of Wisconsin? Again, it's unusual for cases like this to, to get prosecuted even now. That doesn't happen terribly often. The state is usually more concerned about getting its money. Uh, and even Raquel's attorney was confused about why her case was getting prosecuted. But I thought that was another interesting case to show the extent of what can happen. It's not just about having to pay back a ton of money. There can be criminal charges involved. Through all of this, I, I just I think we've done all of these stories about the people who are waiting in line in the middle of this emergency situation. And that's been the biggest story of the year is the delays in getting these payments out. On the flip side of it now, we're talking about people whose identities have been stolen. There's been fraud. We're also talking about what you dealt with people who say they've made honest mistakes and that are uh, accused of fraud or even convicted of fraud. 
in the end, one of the common themes to all of this seems to be that the system that's in place, whether it's the computer system, whatever it is, that it is uh, it is confusing to a lot of people. That I don't think has ever been in doubt. I, we've heard from so many people that the system is confusing and that it's not always easy to get clear answers. How much of all of this do you think is wrapped up in just the overall sense of confusion about the existing system and how that might be improved if Wisconsin were to, in fact, ultimately invest in upgraded systems, things that have been discussed, but that could take uh, both time and money. Yeah. So I think there's there's the idea of modernizing the system. And, uh, you know, it runs on an old computer language right now. And, and there's the idea of, of updating that. But then there's also the idea of just the questions themselves have a lot of nuance. And that wouldn't necessarily require an, a policy change or an expensive fix. It's just each question, while it sounds straightforward, can have a lot of minefields. And it's not like you get to preview the questions really before you file. You're kind of going in blind. I know some other states like Connecticut has a really detailed walkthrough of here's each question. Here's what it means. You can go through that before you file. Wisconsin has some FAQs and tutorials, but they don't really have anything in that detail. So for example, a question that sounds really simple is, were you available for full-time work? It's not so simple if, for example, you have a disability and your doctor says you can only work 20 hours a week. You're actually supposed to answer, yes, I was available for full-time work, even though you were only available for 20 hours of work a week. That's not something anyone would know on its face. So on one hand, you're trying to navigate the nuance of those questions because if you answer it wrong, it could mean you don't get your unemployment or your unemployment is delayed. But now the other side of this is if you read too much into the question and you answer it wrong, now you could get accused of fraud. And I think that's something that a lot of people aren't realizing. And then there's all the people who answer, maybe answered a question wrong, didn't get accused of fraud, but now they're being told they were overpaid and they need to pay that money back. And they don't have that money back because they used it to pay their bills. And I mean, to have, to have more than 50,000 people being told you got to pay back some or all of your unemployment benefits, that's, that's a massive amount. Jenna and Amanda, you know, I, I think you, the work you've done is, is very important throughout this pandemic in helping people understand what's going on with, with unemployment. This is a massive system. And I think just to, to say this on behalf of, of the Department of Workforce Development, this is obviously a very challenging thing to administer. I'm sure when you're talking about what is it, four or five billion dollars uh, that about an outlaid in this time, it's a tremendous amount of money. So you can understand why they'd want to be cautious and how that money goes out. Um, but uh, it also calls for the kind of accountability journalism that you guys have done. And so uh, thank you for the work you've done on this and on behalf of our listeners here to Open Record. I think it's important information and hopefully this provides some further insight. Of course, we are going to continue bringing you these twice weekly episodes of Open Record as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic, the presidential election fallout, reckless driving, police community relations, so much more. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. That's fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. Jenna, thanks for joining us this morning. It's nice to 
see you, even though it's only over a computer. Oh, thank you. I always love speaking with you, too. And as always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we'll be back again on Tuesday. Mm-hmm.